to Thursday night at the Speakeasy Cafe. We would like to invite you to take the stage for the Sound of Ink Open Mic Poetry Night. Now, let's get started. I want your ink in our ears. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. We are having some wonderful issues tonight. We've been having all kinds of alien talk in the chat room. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. So it appears that our phone lines are not up and working at the moment. So please keep trying. We will give tech support a chance to work on this and get them working. I just want to let Blog Talk Radio know that we appreciate them very much. I know because I have worked for Blog Talk for a lot of years, and when things like this happened, um, it was just hell behind the scenes. And so please know that they are busting their butts, I know, to get this fixed. So we'll just have to, no probing, Robbie. Um, we'll just have to see how this plays out tonight. I'm going to go ahead and go through our regular part of the program, uh, our intro and stuff that we do at the beginning, and we'll see how the phone lines do by the time I am done. With all that said, I am very excited to be here tonight. It's always an adventure. How many times have you guys heard me say we don't always do it pretty, but we always do it? So we'll just see how this unfolds for a bit. All right, so before we get started, I want to let you know that the number to call in, and if you're trying to call in, please keep trying, is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. I want to remind you guys that we have a new prize drawing started, and this is not our poetry for prizes drawing that we've been doing. This is a special one that is for our 24 quarterly prize drawing, and 2024 is dedicated to the year of the voice. And this year we're going to be exploring things that focus on our voices as poets, what that means. All right. And the first thing that we're going to be doing now through March 31st is for our prize drawing is the theme for it is, and I am going to tell you that right now. I'm getting a, getting a tech me- text message from tech support as we're we're speaking, and it's, I'm I'm covering it because I can't read it. I can't read it right now. We'll read that in a second. All right. So what we are doing is uh, the theme for our first quarter poetry drawing is give a po- poet the gift of voice. And so you've heard me say this on a couple of shows, but if you're so you've heard this, but if you're first time here, I'm going to go over it for you. What I mean by giving a poet, the gift of voice is I want you to think back on the first time you ever read your work out loud. Every time you, very first time you ever read a poem out loud. I want you to think about the person that was the catalyst for that happening, for the decision for you to do that, who inspired you. I want you to think of time you read your poem out loud and gave it life when you breathed breath into those words and heard them aloud for the first time, shared them with the world. I want you to think about how that changed you as a poet, because it does. Once you perform your first piece, you will never write the same way again, because all of a sudden, every poem has a heartbeat. Every poem has a face. You can never, ever forget what that poem's going to sound like 
loud. A lot of the stuff that I write is still written as a page poem, but I'm always very conscious. I, after I'm done writing it, I'll read it out loud a couple of times and see how the words play, see if they fit, you know. So it is an incredible gift to be able to share your work, share it with people, be able to get that feedback. And I want you to be that catalyst for someone else. So this month what we're doing until the end of March, what we are doing is anyone who encourages and inspires and brings a new poet to read on the show for the very first time or brings a poet that has not been here in years and years and years and resurrects them to the show, anyone who introduces someone to reading their poetry out loud for the first time, bringing them to the show, gets their name entered into the prize drawing. And this isn't the normal, old, normal, regular prize drawing. And Every week, I've got a little box, and every week, more stuff is getting stuffed in that little box. So one of the things for sure that's going to be in there is a journal. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Maybe I'll go ahead and post them up on my page to inspire you a little. But I make and create and sculpt these amazing uh, – look at how humble I am – these amazing nib pens, dip pens, like you dip them in an inkwell type pen. And if you've never written with one of those, it is an experience. Let me tell you, you it totally absolutely transforms your brain when you write with one. To feel that drag and that and hear that scratch across the paper, it is amazing. Um, so you'll get a custom made nib pen that I am making specially for you and a pen holder and the journal and there's a book in there and blah 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 other secret things but it's a great prize package so and the prize package is all cool and good but doing this because it's important it's important to encourage other people it's imp- I mean I remember the person that did that for me and it has absolutely totally 100% changed my life the very first time I got up and read out loud, oh, my God, I was so scared. I can't even tell you how scared I was. My voice was was literally shaking. You could hear the shaking vibration in my voice when I spoke. It was horrible, but I did it, and it changed me forever. So the good thing, too, by the way, is if you bring someone to the show and have them read for the first time, not only is your name put into the drawing, so is theirs. So if you win the prize drawing, you get the big prize package. If your po- your poet's name that you bring, their name also gets put in the drop prize drawing. If their name gets drawn, then they win the prize. person wins the prize package, you also get a custom-made pen. If you win the prize package, the person you brought Unless you bring a bunch, I'll have to do a drawing because Jimmy's brought quite a few so far. So I'll have to do, I won't know which one he brought. So we'll, we'll do, that's what we're going to have to do. So if, like, say Jimmy won, then I would have to take the people that he brought and do a drawing out of those people to see who gets the pen. So whoever's name's drawn gets the prize package, and their guest or their host gets a pen as well. All right. So that's the way that's going to work. I never thought about that till just now. Ah, see, it's kind of fun when things don't work out right. Then I figure things out. All right, next. We're going to take a moment, and I would like to share with you and let you know that our 
Acting License Fundraiser has begun, and we are still a long way from being able to stay on the air, and we do need your help. To date, we have, let me open this up here. Dun, 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 that's my hold music. Oh, wait a minute, that's not it. There we go, over here. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, to date, we have raised $495. I had a $100 donation that was not done through the fundraiser so we have 395 on the fundraiser and the extra hundred so we've got to 495 dollars so far so far we're still a long ways off but we're on our way and i just appreciate everybody that's been helping out all those you know every little tiny bit adds up and you guys are amazing so thank you if you would like to help sponsor the speakeasy cafe and keep this community on the air and live and thriving and be able to come here every week and share you can check out the link for our fundraiser, which is pinned to the top of my Facebook page. If you're not on my contacts list, you can find me on Facebook under Nyla, N-Y-L-A. Last name, Alicia, A-L-I-S-I-A. Or you can Google Speakeasy Cafe Fundraiser. Or you can do Google's, you can also message me and I can send you the link. In addition, the Speakeasy has a PayPal account under the show's email, which is the, the word the, it's really important that the word the is in there, T-H-E, the Speakeasy Cafe, the, the, the Speakeasy Cafe at gmail.com. And we also have a cash app for the account, which is dollar sign Speakeasy Cafe. All right. So if you remember, if you'd like more information on any of this, you can message me or you can check out the post on the top of my Facebook page. And I've mentioned this before, but it's really hard for me to, you know, every year I just dread this part because, you know, when, when the show first started, we've been on the air 17 years, and when the show first started, I could cover the fees, no problem on my own. But over the course of the years, over the course of the last 17 years, they've gone up a lot, and I can't do them by myself anymore. And one year, uh, James, one sapien, stepped up and he helped cover half of the year for me, which was amazing. And then him and Roy here for the beer covered part of the next year for me. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, people stepping up and taking ownership of their community and making sure that we stay here growing and thriving year after year. The last 17 years has been pretty amazing. But I couldn't do this anymore on my own is the point. And so it really is a community effort for us to be able to be here. And I, I am humbled every single year by, and not just from the fundraiser, but just from what I see from you guys, the interactions you have with each, with each other, the things that I see, the growth I see people have, the things I've been through with everyone. You know, it's just amazing. and. So I'm very humbled to be a part of this community here with you guys and to be able to share things with you and all of that. But it's hard. It's hard for me to do this fundraiser and to ask um, ask for help on this. But literally, we could not be here with the, without the help of our sponsors anymore. So, you know, I just I want to thank you guys and remind you, every little tiny bit adds up. So appreciate you. Again, if you're interested in, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> if you're interested in helping sponsor the show and keeping us here another year, contact me. I'll get you the information. Check out my Facebook post 
and you'll see the link for the fundraiser. With all of that said, we only have a short while more to show our love and appreciation to those who helped keep us on the air this last year. And it's very important to me that we all understand how special these people are, and we appreciate them. Let them know how much we appreciate them. And I do that by every week thanking our sponsors every single week because that it's important to do that. I think it's important for them to understand that you know, without them, we wouldn't be here, and they deserve that from us. So if you get a chance, you know, we throw out a thank you. you know, let someone know that you appreciate them. Everything that we've had here in the last year is because of these people I'm naming now. You know, I can only cover part of the license, and they helped me cover what I couldn't, and and um, that really helps. So without further ado, our 2023 broadcasting license sponsors are... Annabella Ashire, Anthony Arnold, Dave Kuhn, Debbie Kelly, Douglas Curry, George Wiley, Gary and Noreen Snyder, Jade Mist, Jessica Brooke, Karen DeWitt, Kristen Riley, Chris Jopek, Chris Jopek's dog, T.S. Elliott, Lori Binder, Lynn Perkins, Martha Shevsick, Michael Emerald, Missy and Jimmy Ray Davis, Keen, Rebel Jones, Rich Hathaway, Robert and May Ryan, Carrie Galloway, and Timothy Melton. I want to thank them so much. I also want to thank those of you, and I think this is a really beautiful way of keeping members of our poetic community that have gone to the big inkwell in the sky, keeping them with us and remembered, and, um, you know, just a reminder of how much they inspired us and how much they continue to inspire us and how much they were a part of our community. So I would really like to thank those of you who made donations in the memory of Melvin Douglas Johnson, our Appalachian poet, Philip Kent Church, music man, John Kays, our rain man, Ray Neighbors, Rick Smith II, Glenn Still, Charles C.B. Banks, King's Cadence, and Deep Enough. And, um, you know, this really means a lot to me today because we just had two donations come in. One of them was in memory of Cherry Rose, and that just made my heart so happy. And a special way of remembering somebody. So thank you. Thank all of you sponsors. Again, we could not be here without you. All right. So now it is time for... Gosh, that's loud. Maybe I should turn that down just a little bit. That was loud in my eardrum. The drumming was loud in my eardrum. <laughs> All right. So I want to, it's time for our inspiration from the Inkwell, our mini workshop. And it's funny, you know, I expected, I wanted to have more time for callers. So I kind of did real short stuff on this uh, workshop this week. I should have like really drug it out. But um, we'll get through this. So the first thing I want to touch on is our project for the year. I want you to think about 2,000 years from now. And there's some person out there, and they're digging in the dirt, and they come across a cylinder or a box. It's like, oh, my God, what is this? And they open it. And you know what's inside? You are inside. Well, maybe not literally you, but... Everything about you is inside there. So this year we're working on poetic time capsules. 
and you can find some kind of a waterproof, you know, fireproof, whatever proof container you want. Or if you get real froggy, you can jump on Amazon and they actually have, literally have time capsules that are made to be waterproof, weatherproof, you know, whatever proof. And you can purchase one of those and use that. If you don't have some kind of a container, you can use on your own. And think about that person digging that up 2,000 years from now. What do you want them to That's your, It's like your little piece of immortality. You know, it's like when they dig up one of those Viking graves, and it's always funny. This must be someone of great stature and great importance. No, they never dig up a peasant, do they? So <laughs> what would you want them in 2,000 years to find in your time capsule? What poems would you put in there to define you? What trinkets would you put in there? What book would you put in there? What messages, what pictures, what photos? What would you put in there for them to find? You've got a whole year to work on this. So I want you to find a little shoebox or something and tuck it away in the closet. Or And every time you think of something and you say, oh, this will work, print it out and put it in the box. Or, you know, you find your little funny Pikachu Peek-a-poo, Pikachu keychain, throw it in there. I don't care. Whatever it is, whatever you want about yourself to represent yourself goes into this time capsule. You as an artist, you as a person. And then at the end of the year, we're all going to go out and find a place and hide and bury our time capsules and let them ferment a thousand years how someone finds them. <laughs> you may even want to put a note in there talking about you know, where you chose to dig and bury your time capsule and why it's important to you and what it looks like. You know, I, I'm, I do paleontology and I go out there and I'm out in the middle of the frickin' desert and it's hot and it's like, a, you know, 110 degrees and there's nothing out there but rattlesnakes, coyotes, and lizards, you know, and I'm digging on a cliff face looking for fossils and, and you know, the the only thing that is out there are these, what are those trees called? I can't remember what the name of the trees are, but they're the only things that grow there. And they are absolutely sucking all the water out of the landscape so nothing else can grow there. And it's just miserable. You know, it, that, that place, it, it wants the, your blood for its children. It doesn't care if you live or die. It's a very unforgiving place. Um, but I've been doing a study out there every year now for the last uh, last seven years since we my eighth year out there but I'm sitting there and I dig and I split a rock open and it's a great big huge giant fat maple leaf and I realize that where I'm sitting actually about 23 million years ago was a beautiful lush forest isn't that crazy So, you know, maybe put a note in there and explain to people why you chose the spot, why it's special to you, what's there at the moment, whatever. Well, that was a tangent, wasn't it? That's okay. I'm trying to fill time. (laughs) Now, as I go through the workshop portion of this show, if you don't get everything written down, worry not. You can always come back after the show is over and re-listen to the beginning of the program and grab whatever you missed. Remember, there is 17 – yeah, it's starting to yawn, sorry – I'm so sad and bored and lonely by myself. 17 years worth of podcasts are at your disposal. So if you're sitting there some night and you can't to 
right about it. You can go back and listen to the first 15 minutes of any of our programs. I think we started doing this. We didn't start doing this in the beginning. We did some interviews. I think that we've been doing this for at least the last 15 years. We've been doing our little thing. So a whole bunch of stuff on there to inspire you. Something will get you off and running. It's a great tool, so make sure make sure that you um, utilize that tool. So let's jump right in and start off by giving you this week's poetry prompts. I want to thank everyone who posted their amazing prompts for tonight's show. There were so many and so many great ones. Um, some of them are going to have to spill over to next week's show. I just kind of pull pull them from from the whole resource you guys have been giving. I used to make these all up on my own. And one week I was running really late. So I threw up a post on my Facebook page and said, help, help, I need prompts. And you guys jumped right in, and it was pretty amazing, and, and I thought it was pretty fun. So I've continued to do that. And I think it's kind of cool that the prompts that we share are from you guys. Because one of the coolest things for me with this show over the years is the prompts and the homework and things that I give out and being able to toss out an idea and then see what comes. It amazes me. I'll hear, you know, the same prompt go out and two different poets will come and read two completely different poems from the same prompt. And that's magic. It's magic for me. And it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of cool knowing that that poem would not exist had I not reached out and shared some inspiration. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. So first, I'm going to go ahead and start off with your poetry prompts. Now, remember, poetry prompts are like seeds planted. They land in your fertile little brain, and then they are meant to grow into poems. You can use the prompts as the title of your poem. It can be a line in your poem or the general concept of your poem. Like, you know, say the prompt is summer. I don't have to hear the word summer to know your poem is about summer. So the title of a line in or the general concept of. Beyond that, whatever you do with them is entirely up to you. All right. So let's get started on your prompts. The first one, number one, pride of lions. Pride of lions. Number two, a distant sound. A distant sound. Three, one bad apple. One bad apple. Number four, pain does not discriminate. Pain does not discriminate. Number five, ruby reigns. Ruby reigns. Number six, mortal combat. Mortal combat. Makes me want to play a video game. Number seven, pressed between the pages. Pages. Number eight, I looked back. I looked back back. Number nine, what the shadows do. What the shadows do. Number 10, with a whisper. With a whisper. 11, I thought this one was cute. The commuter's guide to chaos. The commuter's guide to chaos. Number 12, along came evil. Along came evil. Number 13, unforgettable forgotten. Unforgettable forgotten. 14, an a- this is what will make Robbie laugh. An alien ate my palm. An alien ate 
my poem. And the last one, number 15, stained glass images. Stained glass images. Now you can write one poem per person, match the prompts, or you can use all the lines in one poem. All right? But before you do that, do not forget to do your pick apart a prompt writing exercise. And you should do this anytime you sit down to write about anything. And this exercise, what it does is it helps you to realize that what you do with a prompt before you write to it is far more important than what you write. Now, if I were to give you, who's talking about Viagra in the chat room? You kids calm down in there. <laughs> All right. So let's say I gave you, we, I used an example earlier of summer. So let's roll with that a little. So if I were to give you the prompt of the summer and ask you all to write down a poem, I am betting that 95% of the poems would have common things within them. Our brain has muscle memory. So when you hear something inspires you, it's kind of like doing a Google search. It's going to pick up that algorithm and it's going to pull forward the things that get used or looked at or searched the most often, right? So what I want to do is to dig four, five, 10, 12 pages into that search. I want to go beyond the typical, beyond the basic, beyond the common things your brain automatically gravitates to. Gravitates to. All right? Sometimes you'll hear a prompt and this vision will pop in your head and you think it's your muse. Wow, you're off and running, man. This is good stuff. But it's not. Brain grabbing a hold of something that it's familiar with, that it's comfortable with, and that's what you're writing about. And you end up writing the exact same poem, not the exact same poem, but the exact same poem as everybody else who gets that same prompt. A lot of us will send stuff in for, um, send stuff and submit stuff to journals and it does get accepted and then we get all pissy and think, well, the heck with them, blah, 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 right? And, and most of the time it actually has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of your poem. One of the big reasons is that, especially when they do themed issues, is that they have, you know, thousands of entries for this journal. And it's a summer-themed journal where they're going to end up with a lot of poems that have topic crossover. And they can't print them all. So they're looking for the most unique. And it's not that your poem is bad. It's just that it fell into that category that so many others fall into. So how do we get you out of writing those types of poems? By doing this. You know, and, and since we have our phone lines down right now and you guys aren't able to call in and we're giving the text time to work on that, I'm going to touch on this a little bit because I think it's really important. Okay? There are things that only you can write. There's things inside of you that no one else can think of. You know, and it's important for you to explore that. It's important for you to put the time in to find that unique voice that's yours. To find the place in you that does not write the basic, does not write the typical, does not write the normal, does not write the on point. You need to invest in yourself as a writer. You need to put your ego aside and realize that no matter where you are, no matter how good you think you are, 
you can always get better. And if you can't, if you think you're the best you're ever going to be, how sad is that? We should all have that hunger for learning and knowledge and growth. You know, think of how many writers there have been since the beginning of time. Why is it? What was it about Rumi that still has us reading him? What is it about Yeats or Poe or any of them that still have us reading them? Why not one of the other guys? There's something in their writing, something different. I want you to find that something inside of you. I want you to believe that the time you put in doing these silly little exercises that I give you is important. It is going to make you the best version of you as a writer that you can be. It's going to make you different. It's going to develop your voice. So now with that said, let's talk about this pick a prompt exercise. I just gave you 15 prompts. What I would like you to do before you start writing to them is I would like you to take the first prompt I gave you, which was Pride of Lions, and I want you to write it at the top of a blank journal page. And I say write because I would really, really like for you guys to have a, you know, just, even if it's just a spiral notebook or anything, a little journal, something. I would like you to do these by hand, and this is my own personal preference because we spend so much of our time in front of a backlit world. You need to get your brain away from that. It's really hard for you to separate yourself from the world and crawl inside your head when you're sitting in front of the universe at a keyboard, viral notebook, and you take an ink pen and you go sit somewhere, you go outside, you go find a comfy chair, then it's just you and your brain. No distractions, no, hey, I'm going to Google this, or no notice popping up saying, oh, look, there's a notification that so-and-so posted a video and, and there's a new recipe for frog legs and oh my gosh I didn't know a two-legged dog could do that type of thing okay there's no distractions when you have a pen and a piece of paper in your hand you write so differently you write slower you think harder you think more you listen to yourself okay so I want you to take that first line in your notebook you don't have to do what I say, but it's helpful. <laughs> Take pride lines. I won't know if you do it on your computer is what I'm trying to say, but I'm really hoping that you will disconnect and do paper and pencil. So pride of lions. I want you to take that prompt, and I want you to write it at the top of your page. And then I would like you to write, before you write a poem to it, I want you to write at least six different ideas for poems you could write to that one prompt. Okay, so don't write a poem yet. Pride of Lions. I want you to think of all the different ways you could twist that, turn that, shake it up, turn it upside down, pull the guts out, rip it open in the seam, see what's inside, and I want at least six different poems you could write to that one prompt. Then go on down to number two, number three, number four, until you get all the way to the bottom and you have at least six different poem ideas for each of the different prompts. And I swear to you, you will not get to the end of the prompt without something grabbing a hold of you. And you're going to be off and running 
and writing something crazy. And when you get done, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, where did that come from? And it's going to be different than something you've normally written. Do not be afraid to look inside yourself and find the things that are uniquely yours. All right. So I hope you guys are still trying to call in. The number is 646 595-3965, testing those lines for me. We're just going to continue on here while we wait to see if the text can get our lines up and running. Just keep pushing it. They'll, they'll get it taken care of. So that is your pick apart a prompt writing exercise. The next one I want to go over is your journal assignment. And journal assignments are really fun because this is the time when it's, I mean, it's like one-on-one yoga pants time with your muse and your brain. You know, it's, It's when you give yourself permission to not write perfectly, and that's really important because if every single time you sit down to write, you put the pressure on yourself to write something that's postable. you got to get those likes. It's like an addiction. You know, got to get something posted. It's fast-paced and furious, this, this social media world that we live in now. You know, sometimes it took... Yates, a year to write a poem. Think about that. It took him a year. You know, sometimes it it is worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. It's not like that anymore, man. We have to spit them out and get them posted and and put up for, you know, and if we don't do it, then we just feel horrible. Oh, my gosh, I didn't post in the last two days. No one's going to love me anymore. Yeah, poo. That's not true. You need to give yourself time to write ridiculously, to write poorly, to write nonsense, okay? You have to give your brain that break. Otherwise, it turns into a job. It is a chore. That pressure is so hard, and it's hard to live up to. So if you want things to flow more freely, you have to make sure you keep the wheels happy and greased and smooth and Keep your brain happy in its craft. So this is what this does. This is what our journal assignments are for. They are not meant for popular consumption. They're not meant to post. It's just fun time with your brain. Sandbox with your free lot or free free fall in the sandbox time. No rains, no boundaries, blah, blah, blah. That is the stuff I normally say. It's just a chance for you to take wrong turns and run down dark alleys that you wouldn't normally do You know, if you were sitting down to write something serious. So this week... What we are going to do is, how come every time I look at the chat room, I see the word Viagra? Every single time. Tyler, what's going on with you? Okay, so <laughs> um, what I want you to do is, I, I, and what these assignments have been, I change it every week, is I want you to start off with a blank journal page, notebook page, whatever, and I want you to write the line... I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I know this is going to be hard to believe, but, and then I want you to just writing whatever comes into your brain, totally just made up on the moment, spur of the moment, just keep writing. And if you run out of a thought, you know, you're, and then I went down and the, the monkeys jumped on top of this and then, and then, and then. And then I didn't know what to write, so I started writing this instead. And then I'm writing about this, and just I just don't care what you say. Just keep your pen moving. And do this for at least five minutes. 
All right? Just continue to write whatever pops into that brilliant, beautiful mind of yours and have fun with it. You'd be really surprised how much this will help you as a writer because you are exercising your free thoughts in your brain to flow. Instead of every single time you sit down, you put a girdle on your brain and force it to perform like an organ grinder's monkey. Nobody wants to write like an organ grinder's monkey. Instead, I want you to kick off your shoes and run through snow when you write. Total freedom. Total flow. So it's going to help you do that. All right, so your writing exercise, that was your journal assignment. Now, our writing exercise, exercises are things that are meant to push you out of your comfort zone, make you sweat a little. Okay, this is this pumping iron with your craft. And writing exercises are not always about writing. Being a poet is not, is not always about you. I only write for me. I don't care what anyone thinks. Well, don't give me that because you wouldn't be posting it on Facebook for people to like if you only wrote for you. You do care what people say. You have something to say. Own that. Share that. Have a voice. You know, it's okay (laughs) to write for the world. We want you to write for us. You know, so I don't know where I was going with that, but we're going to just kind of reel it back in here for a minute. (laughs) So writing exercises are not always about you. Sometimes I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone by connecting with other people. That's scary, huh, for a lot of us. But this one's going to be simple. You know how earlier I was talking about how one of the coolest things for me was that I could share a prompt to somebody share a prompt, throw an idea out there, and I could get two, three poems back, all completely different from that one prompt. It's an amazing feeling to know that that poem would not exist had I not touched, you know, taken two seconds of effort and shared a thought or an idea or shared inspiration. Think of all the things that have happened to inspire you in your life. It's not just about things inspiring you. You know how you get paid things back tenfold? This is going to be about you inspiring somebody else. And it's going to be pretty simple. I want you to, and you can use the same five prompts if you want, or you can customize them and make them all different. But I want you to choose five poets, five, in your social media group. Five poets you know. And I would like you to send them five poetry prompts, title prompts. And you can just throw a message in there that said something like, you know, hey, I thought you might have fun with these. Here's some prompts. Making me do this, damn it. Here's some writing prompts. I don't care what you say. However it's comfortable for you. Just pick five people. And maybe people that you normally don't talk to a lot would be nice. You know, it's easy to talk and send them to, you know, your best buddy over there. But what about those people on your list that you don't talk to a lot that maybe really could use that one little breath of inspiration? Okay. 
So choose five people on your social media in your social media group that you know are writers and send them five prompts. That's it. Easy peasy. Now that will take you, you know, maybe it'll take you ten minutes to do that. How many of you are willing to take ten minutes to share some inspiration with the world? You, know, you may even want to make a game of it. Hey, I'm sending these five poetry prompts to you. Pick out five people on your poetry list and send your own five prompts to them. And maybe we could make it like a tree root growing. You know, what? How, that one prompt you sent out to that one person, if that happened and they sent it out to five and then those five sent it out to five, think of how much inspiration you could cause. Think of the rippling effect that your one fingerprint could create in the world. It could grow into things you couldn't even imagine. That's magic. That is inspiring. So let's do that. Let's send out those poetry prompts. Then in the, at the bottom of put something like, if you would like, we would really like, would, I'd really like you to keep this going. Think of five, five people. I, I, I thought of you because I thought you'd have fun with this. Think of five people that you think might enjoy this and send them out some poetry prompts. Let's keep this going, this inspiration going. Maybe I'll figure out a better way to word that, and I'll put it on my page for you. Because um, sometimes these ideas just grow as I'm talking to them, grow as I'm saying them. <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, but, yeah, I think that would be pretty incredible. And I'm, I'm picturing us right now as this community being in the center of this huge, giant ripple. And, and what could grow from that type of inspiration shared? All right. So remember, as food for thought. No, not as food for thought. Remember, as food for our creative souls. This is what we are doing. We are focusing on, I wish I wish I had like speakers and everybody, I could unmute everybody, but there's no one to unmute. And just have you say this with me, because you all should know this by heart by now, unless this is your first week here. All right. So remember, we are focusing on reading, reading, reading. If you are not reading more than you are writing, you are doing it backwards. You have to have input in order to have output. Feed your brains. You are what you eat. And that applies to your mind as well. You know, I remember when I first started writing in grade school, I absolutely refused to read any other poets because I was afraid that if I did, that it would stick with me and then my words were no longer my own words out of my head. Think of how vain that is, right? that's what I thought. So it took me a long time to start reading. But you know what? If I sit down and I read a Poe and Poe influences my thoughts and I read something, I write something that's Poe-esque, that's pretty amazing, right? I think a better way to explain it, and I've done this before, is without that input, you have to have input in order to continue to grow as a a writer. Because let's say everybody here, right now, you're sitting in a square room. All the walls are white. There's no doors. 
There's no windows. You're sitting on a stool in the center of the room, and you've been sitting there since the day you were born. You've never known anything else. And somebody walks in and hands you a pencil and paper and tells you to write about something. What are you going to write about? What are you going to write about? Tyler, I said your room is square. <laughs> but yours can be whatever shape you want it to be. All right. Um, I'm watching the chat as I'm talking, so you have to bear with me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of lonely here, so I have to watch you guys. Uh, but what would you write about? What could you possibly write about? You don't know anything but white walls, a white ceiling, a white floor, and a stool. What could you possibly write about? Right now, your brain, your room, has everything in it to date, everything that you know. So anything you're going to create can only come from that. But if you read, if you have that input, if you have that input, your brain is growing and it's expanding. It's learning new things. It's learning new words. It's learning new ideas. It's finding things that inspire it. Therefore, if science works the way it's supposed to and you can't argue with science, now your pool has just gotten bigger. You just put more things in that room. Now you're an idea hoarder and you have all kinds of things to write about. Your poems don't all sound the same anymore because now you have new things in there, right? Okay, so with that thought, since I have the time to chat and, and go off meandering like I normally don't have because I try to fit everything into the first 20 minutes of the show, Life experiences, let's talk about that. Always your days consist of going from point A to point B, working back, maybe to the grocery store. You come home and you sit and you binge watch something on Netflix, right? What are you going to write about? You need to experience new things in life. That's just as important as reading. Y'all need to be carrying a poetry book in your pocket or something, something little. A book, a book with pages. Your craft, your brain is worth getting a paper cut over, not just a blister from swiping right. Okay? Carry a poetry book and read it. But life experiences are just as important. You know, I think about, I always go back to my adventures and stuff that I do, but I was in, up in the panhandle of Idaho one year. And I was doing a fossil dig. And I'm sitting in my tent and I have the, and I do this, these adventures all by myself, which makes them even more awesome, right? Because I'm out there all alone. But I'm sitting there in my tent and I have the, the flap unzipped. There's just the screen, you know, that bug screen on a tent so you can look out the window. My campfire is going on outside right in front of my tent. I've got my stuff set up. And I look outside and there's a wolf in my camp. A wolf standing there looking at me. And so what's the first thing I think of doing? Of course, I pick up my phone to take a picture of it. And what did I not even think about is that there was going to be a flash. <laughs> oh, if he didn't know I was there, and, oh, of course he knew I was there. But I'm thinking, you know, if he didn't know I was there now, then he knows I'm here now. And, and, and it was just like, I didn't know what to do. And it sat down 
on his hind little haunches and just stared at me. And I just stared at him. I couldn't move. He didn't move. He walked over. He ate my cheese, touched the marshmallows, and he was gone. Poof. Now, I don't know where or when, but at some point in my life, that experience is going to work its way into a poem. So I don't care if it, it doesn't have to be out in the middle of nowhere camping with the wolves. All right. It can be just going to, oh, don't even get me, don't even get me started, you guys, on when, uh, when the cougar came to camp last year. I was up camping with a bunch of girls, and uh, we hear this noise, and this deer runs right past our camp, and we look up, and there's the mommy cougar. Mommy cougars out there with babies. We can hear them. We blasted our air horns and scared them. And all of a sudden we could hear mom. If you ever Google uh, mama cougar calling babies, you'll hear that chirp that they make, that they use when they call their babies. Yeah, mama's sitting up on the ridge chirping for her babies. The baby got scared and ran one way. She ran the other way. And, yeah, that was nuts. But she stuck around. For two days, she stuck around. I'm sure she found her baby, but, you know, it, it was kind of crazy. We had a bear in camp one year. You wouldn't believe the damage crows can do to a camp. Them things are vicious. Okay, enough of that. But see, those are all fun life experiences that I'm going to be able to use. You know, someday in a poem, I'm going to be able to say, you know, you ripped my life apart like a crow going through a camp. You know, probably not the best example, but you know what I mean. So think about your life experiences. Think about the things you do every day. And you don't have to just jump out there and be Indiana Jones. You can do things like go to a different grocery store or take a different way home, drive a different way home. I always like to use the example of, you know, when you, when you pick up your lunch, don't eat in the car. Pull over and sit in the, the seats and watch a Little League baseball game while you eat your lunch. I don't care if you don't know anybody, just pick a team and, and, you know, whatever color you like best and share. Do things you wouldn't normally do. Instead of sitting and binge-watching Netflix, take the afternoon and go to your town's local history museum, whatever it is. Those things are important. All right, so next thing we're going to touch on is our writer's discipline. And I say writer's discipline because that's what it is. If we are going to grow as writers, there's things we have to do. And if we call it your discipline, then you will understand that it is a chore. This is a time when it's okay to be the chore. All right? Every single day, I want you to go out and write a haiku poem. And I don't care if you don't like haikus. It's okay that if you don't like haikus, that's like why it's called a discipline. You know, most people don't like spelling tests, but we had to do them, right? Nobody liked math tests. We had to do them. You know, that's just part of growing. That's part of our schooling. We need to school ourselves. Every day, write a haiku poem. If you get hung up on the fact that it's a haiku poem, write a 17-syllable sentence. All right, a haiku poem is, if you're not familiar with them, are three lines with a 575 syllable count on those lines. So all I'm asking for you to do every day is to go out and find 17 syllables as you're running around chasing your boss's dream by doing a job for him so that he can send his 
you know, kids to a great college and you're struggling with ramen noodles every night, take 17 syllables of your day back. Take charge of that side of you that so often gets ignored, that needs to be fed, and it asks for so little. If you write a haiku poem, what that does, it's like giving your wife or your partner a kiss on the cheek as you head out the door, but not just a peck. The kiss that makes you think you're going to drag him into the bedroom, but then you have to leave. And then all day long, you're thinking about that kiss. They can't get their, that kiss out of their head. All right? That's what this haiku poem is to your muse. If you get in the habit of at least doing this every single day, there will never be a time when you can sit down and think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to write about. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because you've been feeding your brain. You've been paying attention to it. It's not going to – there's a workshop that I do um, – it's called Don't Piss Off Your Muse. And there's absolutely nothing worse than a muse giving you the silent treatment. And a lot of us sit there and we blame that on writer's block. Writer's block absolutely does not exist. It's an urban legend. It's like the boogeyman. It can't get you if you don't believe in it. And it does not exist. It's an excuse. It's a crutch. We get busy one day and we don't write a poem. And then we get busy the next day. And then our mom needs us for six days helping her with a yard sale. And then we sit there and we have to go over there and move our friend. And, and, you know, we sit there and realize, God, I haven't written anything in two months. I'm not a poet anymore. I've got writer's block. I don't know what to do. Oh, my God. Bullshit. Right? It's okay for life to get in the way. We are not robots. We don't have to produce a poem every day. Writing a poem every single day is not what makes you a poet. Remember I talked about Yates taking a year to write a poem? Mm-hmm. So it's okay if light gets in the way. That does not mean you have writer's block. Writer's block does not exist. If you can pick up a pen and you can write something, anything, then you're writing. Therefore, how can writer's block exist? What you think is when you sit down and you're saying, oh, I need to write a great poem. I need to write a great poem. I need to write down. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. I can't. Oh, shit, I got writer's block. It's because you are turning what you do into a chore, into a job. Every time you sit down, you have to write a great poem. No, you don't. If you can't think of something to write that day, write anything. You can do the things I talked about up here, like your journal assignment. You can take a poem you've already written and rewrite it. You can take, write down a word, and then write down all the words you can think of that go with that word and start doing a word tree. Those are really fun. You know, you can do anything. You can start writing a story. You can start making a list. You know, okay, so... You know, I would really like to write a poem about a pride of lions. Let's take, let's pick on our prompt number one. I want to write a poem about pride of lions. So write, you write that down, and just like with our pick apart a prompt writing exercise, you write down all you can think of, all the things you can think of about that. But then you take those ideas, and you write down ideas and see where they go, and then you see where they go. There's so many things you can do. You can do found poetry. You can do picture poem. You can do whatever. 
you have to give yourself permission to write like crap. In your lifetime, you are going to write hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of really crappy poems. And you're going to write a whole bunch of good poems. And you are going to write a beautiful armful of great poems. But you are never going to find those great poems. And I mean great. I mean poems that you look at and you can't believe you've written. I've got two that I've written in my entire life. I've got two I can look at and I, can, I wonder where in the hell did those come from? How did I think of that? Those are your great poems. But to find those, you have to wade through a lot of crap. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to have fun with that. Not everybody has to see every single thing you write. Have fun with what you do. If you write, and it's as simple as that, it doesn't exist. If you can pick up a pen, and I don't care if you get your hands chopped off, write with your toes. As long as you can write anything, then, then you don't have writer's block. Take the girdles off your brains and let them run and play and have fun, and you are going to be a better writer because of it. The more you teach your brain, a lot of these things that I give you are to form free thought. Give your brain, train your brain to do that, it's going to become second nature. You know, right now it's unfamiliar. You're not used to doing that. You're used to sitting down and grabbing a hold of your thoughts by the reins and pulling them into you and making them do what you want them to do when you write a poem. But something amazing happens when you let go. When you let go of those reins and you throw your head back and you put your arms out, and you let the wind go through your hair, and just ride it out. The more you do that, the more your brain gets used to it. The more it's not, what's the word for it? The more it's not uncommon or uncomfortable. You know, it's kind of like sex. It's only weird the first time, right? The more you do something, the more of a habit it becomes. the more your brain will automatically start whipping through ideas. We'll start, you know, it's like the one I talked about um, when we do our pick apart a prompt writing exercise. You, know, you take Ruby Reigns and then you sit down and you write at least six different ideas for poems. You could write to that one prompt. And what's that? That's teaching your brain is to be like a kaleidoscope or a slide projector, clicking through images, click, 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 click. Pretty soon, you don't have to sit down and practice doing that anymore. Pretty soon, your brain is automatically going to do that. And that's how you develop your own style in writing. That's how you develop your own voice. It's by training your brain to be able to take a hold of something and click past the typical, click past the, the obvious, click back past everything that is commonplace, and find the things lying underneath it 
the things hidden under the rug that are yours and yours alone and writing a poem that nobody else but you could write. And those are the poems that get picked for submission. Those are the poems that people are reading a thousand years later. Okay. So 17 syllables. Feed your brain. Feed your muse. Those little tidbits every single day. And you will get paid back tenfold. All right. Make sure you do that. doesn't matter. Carry a little notebook with you, you guys, a little notepad or whatever and a pen. Write them down when you think of them, by the way. You know, you're going through your day. Don't think, oh, I'll write that down later because you'll forget. I always forget. Sometimes I forget. (laughs) There was this one time I was in the shower, right? Nobody's there. I'm home all by myself. I'm in the shower and I'm washing my hair. And I think of this great line for a poem. And it's really good. It's like, dang. And I, I said, I've got to write this down. So I jump out of the shower, right? And I go running down the hallway to my office. And the shampoo gets, runs down my forehead and gets in my eyes. So I've got my eyes closed. And I'm running to my office so I can grab this pen so I can write this down. And the door was closed. And I ran smack dab into the door and cold cocked myself onto the floor. You know what I did but after that? I kept a pencil in my bathroom. And when I thought about something, I wrote on the shower wall. It washed off later. I never went running into a closed door again. You know, so get these written down when you think about them. Because if you don't, and by the way, yes, I forgot what I was going to write down by the time I got to my office. So write them down when you think about them. You can always fix them and turn them into a haiku later. And think about this. I've said this many times before as well. If you write a haiku poem every single day, let's say you did it for a year, It doesn't matter. It's not January 1st. Now your year can start today. If you wrote a haiku poem every day for 365 days, you're going to have a whole bunch of haikus. And a lot of them are going to be just silly. And a lot of them are going to be okay. But you're going to have some great ones in there. You pick out 60 of your, your amazing haikus out of 365. And you've got yourself a haiku book. And one year from now, you could have yourself a book of haiku, really good haiku ready to be published how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time any poetry worth their salt has a book of haiku just saying all right i'm going to run through those i'm really trying to really trying i hope i'm not boring you guys to death i'm really trying to like milk this out and uh Make it last all I'm waiting on getting these lines. Are you guys still trying to call in, by the way? Are the lines still down? I've been talking for an hour. All right. So if someone in the chat room can let me know if the lines are, no. <laughs> if the lines are still down, that would be awesome. I'm going to run through the prompts again really quick. And in case you missed them the first time, number one, Pride of Lions. Number two, a distant sound, number three, one bad apple, number four, ruby, no, number four, pain does not discriminate, number five, ruby reigns, number six, mortal combat, number seven, press between the pages, number eight, number nine, what the shadows do, number 10, with a whisper, 11, the commuter's guide to chaos, number 12, a long came evil, number 13, un- Forgettable Forgotten, number 14, An Alien Ate My Palm, 
and number 15, stained glass images. So those are your 15 prompts. Remember, you can write one poem per prompt. You can mix and match your prompts. Excuse me, mix and match, mix and match your prompts and use like number nine and number seven, grab number two and then back down and get 14 and use those in the poem. Or you can get real froggy and you can use all 15 prompts in one poem. Right? That'll get you some really good kudo points. So, that's it for this week's edition of Inspiration from the Inkwell, our mini workshop. Remember, if you missed anything, you can come back after the show's over, re-listen to the beginning of the archived post, and write down whatever you didn't get. So, the lines are still down. I have a couple of options. I could play some tracks right now. Or we could play a game with the chat room. So maybe we could ask questions. Maybe I'll play a couple tracks. And if you guys have any questions that you want to chat about, you can throw them into the chat room. That'll work. Let's go ahead and play a track, Emily Eastman. This one is called Whisper. Here you go. Sometimes when Mark isn't home, I drink coffee out of his special Batman mug. Sometimes when he notices that it's moved in the drying rack, I wait until his back is turned and mouth, I am the knight to the cat. Sometimes I have secrets that aren't cute or sexy. Sometimes I have complete conversations with people in my head before I even say hello to them. Sometimes I exist outside the male gaze. Sometimes I feel like breathing is a hilariously and fantastically difficult way to stay alive. Sometimes I smoke cigarettes because I'm painfully aware of how fragile I am. Sometimes I have independent thoughts that pass the Bechdel test. It's, it's not that I'm talking to myself. It's just that sometimes when I and me think, it isn't about a man. Sometimes I feel like I'm a vibrating collective of energy and sunflowers and slaughtered calves and past lives and probably the first spark ever. And if I don't smile just right at the party, then all of these things will burst out of the human illusion that I've created and everyone will be so surprised. Here's a joke. That should make me feel more connected. But actually, it doesn't. <laughs> Funny, right? Sometimes I feel like the world is shh, and I am only ever this loud. Like I can raise my voice as much as I want, but everyone is too busy at the party. Or in the world, I have nightmares sometimes about trying to scream and only empty breath comes out. Have you ever seen the look on a baby's face when they fall down for the first time? How the whole time they're traveling through the air. They're wearing this whimsical little half-smile, like, what magical new thing is this? I wonder what will happen. Then, that moment when they hit the ground, 
their eyes round orbs of disbelief, trying to puzzle it out like who knew that the world could be filled with this special torture? Is this pain? Is this what the world is? And it's then, as their mouths open in a silent, fleshy olive shock for the first vicious howl that I wake up. Sometimes I sit and count to five and wonder how many black and brown and queer and poor and different kids have died in those five moments or ever. How many more will die in the next five? And I want to wake up. I wonder about their mouths, if they were howling or silent. How violence is both. A gagging hand clawing its way up my throat. I want to be filled with disbelief instead of this slow, oily dread. I want my eyes to be big and round. I want reality to shake instead of just me. I want alabaster tombs to crack open, monuments to topple, for us to crawl out, to live welcome inside our bodies. And that's when I remember why I'm breathing that we have so many parts and they are all resurrections fighting that sometimes when we open our mouths, every voice is screaming. I really, really love that piece that she does. That again was Emily Eastman and you can probably the, the best way to find her, jump over onto YouTube and, you know, do a search under her. She's got a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube, spoken word pieces. And I really love her because she has definitely developed her own voice in poetry. And I'm tempted to play that again. And I may in a minute play it again for you and really have you pay attention this time, really have you listen to the lines she put in this because one of the things that I really like about this poem is, you know how I'm talking about there's no such thing as writer's block? And when you sit down and just write something, it doesn't matter just so that you are in the, in the act of moving pen to paper, right? One of the things you can do is make lists. So you can start out with an idea and just start writing down lists. It doesn't matter if you write down a color and then write down everything that you can think of about that color or, you know, you start, you talk about, um, you know, family vacation and you start writing down every single thing that you can think of that you associate with your family vacation or your job or whatever it is, all right? I am going to play this again because we're going to play this little game. I'm going to play it again, and I want you to really pay attention to the fact that this is a list poem. And it be a fun thing for you to work on, on your own, by creating the same type of list. Now, the reason that this poem is so good, the reason that it really captures your attention is because of the surprising imagery she uses in it, because of the things that are very personal to her that are in it, but are very relatable to us as we listen to it. The humanity, her humanity that she brings into this piece. And then at the end of this big long list she makes throughout this poem, 
she starts pulling things together, pulling them all into a meaning. And then the ending line is just killer about using that form of a list. You know, maybe even you use her example of sometimes, sometimes at family vacation, sometimes when I'm alone, sometimes when I try to write, sometimes when I see a girl, sometimes. Okay, think about that. How could you write a poem? What examples would you use? And if you were to take that formula and sit down with a clean sheet of paper and start writing that, this isn't a poem that you would have to finish in a day. Think if you carried that idea with you for a week, a month, a couple of months, and had it in your, the back of your head all the time. Your brain would be turning over that idea. If you gave your time, yourself time to write it, if you gave yourself time, grow an idea, to let something be birthed, to let an idea develop, how many things do you think you could come up with to add to that list? Hey, this would be great on my list. And you run over and you jot it down real quick. Oh, this could go on the list. I just caught myself doing something and I, this is pretty awesome. I can write it on. Oh, that person just said something. I can put that on my list. What if you took your time writing this and had so many things written on that list and you probably wouldn't use them all? Of course you wouldn't use them all. You sure have some great ones in there to use, right? So I'm going to go ahead and play this poem again. And I want you guys to really listen to the list. Listen to all the different ideas she put into this before she pulled it together at the end. All right, here we go. Again, this is Emily Eastman with Whisper. Sometimes when Mark isn't home, I drink coffee out of his special Batman mug. Sometimes when he notices that it's moved in the drying rack, I wait until his back is turned and mouth, I am the knight to the cat. Sometimes I have secrets that aren't cute or sexy. Sometimes I have complete conversations with people in my head before I even say hello to them. Sometimes I exist outside the male gaze. Sometimes I feel like breathing is a hilariously and fantastically difficult way to stay alive. Sometimes I smoke cigarettes because I'm painfully aware of how fragile I am. Sometimes I have independent thoughts that pass the Bechdel test. It's not that I'm talking to myself, it's just that sometimes when I and me think, it isn't about a man. Sometimes I feel like I'm a vibrating collective of energy and sunflowers and slaughtered calves and past lives and probably the first spark ever. And if I don't smile just right at the party, then all of these things will burst out of the human illusion that I've created and everyone will be so surprised. Here's a joke. That should make me feel more connected, but actually, it doesn't. <laughs> Funny, right? Sometimes I feel like the world is shh, and I am only ever this loud. 
like I can raise my voice as much as I want. Everyone is too busy at the party or in the world. I have nightmares sometimes about trying to scream and only empty breath comes out. Have you ever seen the look on a baby's face when they fall down for the first time? How the whole time they're traveling through the air. They're wearing this whimsical little half-smile, like, what magical new thing is this? I wonder what will happen. Then, that moment when they hit the ground, their eyes round orbs of disbelief, trying to puzzle it out, like, who knew that the world could be filled with this special torture? Is this pain? Is this what the world is? And it's then, as their mouths open in a silent, fleshy O of shock before the first vicious howl that I wake up. Sometimes I sit and count to five and wonder how many black and brown and queer and poor and different kids have died in those five moments or ever. How many more will die in the next five? And I want to wake up. I wonder about their mouths, if they were howling or silent how violence is both, a gagging hand clawing its way up my throat. I want to be filled with disbelief instead of this slow, oily dread. I want my eyes to be big and round. I want reality to shake instead of just me. I want alabaster tombs to crack open, monuments to topple, for us to crawl out, to live welcome inside our bodies. And that's when I remember why I'm breathing that we have so many parts and they are all resurrections fighting that sometimes when we open our mouths, every voice is screaming. So were you guys able to pick out the parts of that, the list, all the sometimes, all the disconnected bits of information that brought that entire thing together absolutely incredible chat room yes our lines are still down yes I have been talking for the last hour and 20 minutes <sighs> I'm really surprised you guys are still here <laughs> this is nice I am enjoying it I uh, was going to have you all make a list like this in the chat room, but I did not tell you to do that before I played it again, so we're just going to kind of move on from here. But think about that. You know, think about being able to take a list and work on it. Really work on your ideas. Don't settle with the first ones you have. Nurture it. Keep writing in it. You know, there was a time, there's one time that I wrote this poem, and I sat down and I just started writing and just started writing, kept writing, and it was like 12 pages long in my journal. I mean, just absolutely long. And then when I was done, I started editing it. And I would cross out a line or highlight another line and pick it apart and put it back together. And by the time I was done, that say, let's say, for example, it was a 12, it was 12 pages. It ended up being a 12 line poem and it was good it's one that I really like by my standards I really like it and uh, so it, it was really cool you know a lot of times I hear people talk about they don't edit their work and you know as I write it is just as it stays 
you know, first of all, everybody needs to edit their work. One of the first things that you need to do when you edit your work is look for filler words like it and the. So many of those can be distracting in a sentence, and when they go away, it actually brings the thought together better. If you take those away, you can use line breaks to separate the thoughts. You don't have to have and, the, it, but... Yeah, so you need to, when you write something, you need to go through it, edit it, and really look for those words that are unnecessary, that take away from your meaning, and prune it. And then look at what you have left, and make sure it says exactly what you want to say, how you want to say it. There's lots and lots of times I've written something, and, I, and usually I'll just start writing, and I, I go until the thought runs out of gas on its own, and I end up finding two or three poems within that one piece because all the thoughts don't necessarily go together. You know, the first part was great on its own. That part over there is fine. This is good, but you know, by the time I get to the end, I'm on a completely different tangent than what I started. This is what happens when you don't sit down and try pulling your muse out the door when it's trying to pull you out the window. You don't push your muse out a door. You follow it out that window. You know, and so I just write till I'm done and sort it out. It's, you know, it's, I, I don't know how to say it. We'll just spit it out and, and sort it out later. You know, spit it out, get the idea out, get it all out, and then look at it. Because if you sit there and you try to dissect it in your head, if you try to figure out the perfect way to say it, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's when you... It's when you give something the freedom to grow on its own that you are going to find the magic in something that you write. All right, I'm going to go ahead and I am going to play another track. And this one is going to be that one, not that one. That one, okay. So this one, I'm actually going to play one by Jimmy. Um, I was real excited. Jimmy sent me a message before Word Machine. He sent me a message before the show, and he had another Wildwood poem, and I'm really bummed out because I don't get to hear it tonight unless they get the lines up for me. So I'm going to go ahead and play this piece of his, and I know you're going to love it. And there was silence. The landscape unfolded in front of him like a nightmare. Everything was dead and broken. The sky was a crimson dream, more death than beauty. And our hero trudged on toward the ruins of the neon metropolis. Didn't feel like much of a hero. My family was most likely dead, and the red sky made me wonder if I would live or die. But my boomstick was loaded, my machete strapped to my side. The leaders said we would survive this, but deep within, I knew they lied. Over the rocky crags of Sunrise Mountain, he stood looking down upon the city of Sin. Smoke curled from riot-induced fires. Now, untended, the city burned. Promises of a utopia were crushed, 
like gravel boulders in a landslide. With great courage, he entered the empty city. I was scared to death. My courage had taken a backseat. Bravery was riding like a shotgun sidekick, and I walked upon the cracked streets. The ghosts of screams encompassed me as I stopped to procure some whiskey, grabbed a red box and a naked lady pick, ventured out to see what I could see. The metropolis lay in ruins, a mass of overturned cars and busted glass. He stood amid a tangle of downed power lines, transfixed on a splintered wooden sign, survivors underground, it read, with an arrow pointing to an uncovered manhole. Would he venture into the bowels of the city? What the fuck else did I have to do? I approached with caution bordering on concern. Vultures circled like hawks overhead, and the city continued to burn. Darkness beckoning me like an old friend. I descended with trepidation into the sewers, where I was greeted with an unearthly silence and a dagger-split head badly skewered. A normal man would have fled and ran screaming mad into the streets. This man, however, had an agenda to keep, to rally the survivors of this chaos, to help the dying souls left to bleed, for he still carried the faintest of torches that he might see his family again. How was I going to find anything in this shithole? Dark, dank, and skittering with rats. All of a sudden, a torch fired up, illuminating the tunnel low and flat. Against all reason, I moved forward as the corridor up ahead came to a T. A gray, man-looking thing flashed by, and I pulled out my shotgun, unready to flee. Following the corridor, he moved slowly toward this tunnel's end. Hearing the rumble of machinery on the right, he strode with the heart of a hero until he came to a metal door. Turning the wheel valve slowly, he stared in disbelief at the scene unfolding. I stared at the scene unfolding in disbelief. Hey, is there an echo in here? I could make out a strange rudimentary train and ashen creatures that fueled my fear. They reminded me of the crazies from that movie, Escape from New York. Hell, we're Snake Bliskin when you need him. Then one looked at me, waved, and my fueling fear sparked. What in God's name were these things, he wondered in his shattered mind. Were they aliens or monsters, and had they been here the whole time? He had heard of Morlocks, fanciful tales. As the train started to rumble out of sight, he couldn't help but hope it derailed. I did. I hoped it ran right off the fucking track, despite the benevolent wave. The cavern around me resembled a machine shop. Would I ever get out of this cave? The surface world seemed to hold no clues, so I wandered down that stretch of bone track, not knowing what terror was in store, only knowing I could never go back. And so, friends, the tale ends without end. Does our hero triumph in his efforts or give in to the madness and pain? For I can tell you he lives to find the way. He has the heart of a machinist and the soul of a poet. But that, my friends, is a story for another day.
that was Jimmy Ray Davis, and very excited to play that track. He sent me quite a few lately, so I'm really excited about some of those, all of those actually, that he is sharing. I heard a new one today that he did that he's getting ready to post. So if you haven't checked out Jimmy's work, he's got a whole bunch of stuff on TikTok and videos he makes, and he produces all his own videos, and they're really amazing. So that one was Wasteland Chronicles and absolutely fantastic. All right. So I am going to play another track here for you real quick. It's going to give me a minute to be able to talk to the techs and see what's going on with the phone lines and be able to update you in just a moment. This is my version of Inagata DeVita when I was working in radio and I had to go to the bathroom and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I would just play Inagata DeVita because that song is so long and it would give me time to run all the way to the back, run to the bathroom, get all the way back on air before the song got over. So this is my version of Inagata DeVita in the poetry world and that's going to give me a few minutes to be able to talk to the text and then I will be right back with you and update you on what I find out. So here you go. This is Eddie Oliver, Eddie Oliver with Beautiful Beginnings. Beginning be the alpha. As it is written, it it be the first chapter. I call it life. Beautiful as it is, and in the beginning, never thinking about an ending, just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on, trusting, hoping that you don't stand alone, just just hoping. Nose wide open, walking on faith, just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of. Of everyday, of everyday life, life. <laughs> yeah. I saw her sitting in a little coffee shop, just sipping, writing. To the naked eye, doing nothing exciting, man. She was just sipping, writing. But it was something about her, something that made me wonder as she sat there alone over yonder, just sipping, writing. What was she writing? Was it poetry? She looked up, man, and, and she finally noticed me, and, and she smiled. So beautiful it was, like like looking at the river now, because, because so beautiful she was. So, so I smiled. She went back to writing. Doing nothing exciting, man, and, and, and I just stood there and admired and wanted to walk on over and introduce myself. But because of my shyness, I decided to retire. To a chair two tables down Quiet without a hint of a sound I just sat there sipping Gazing Admiring her from a distance Because her beauty and her innocence was so amazing Her her smile was so intoxicating Her her eyes were so engaging the, the ten second glance made my heart start racing As if I was high on drugs Straight free basis I just sat there and daydreamed of, of me and her taking flights to far off places Turning off our cell phones while, while we took long vacations in, in hard-to-reach nations. Made me wonder, who was this lady? It kept me sipping, gazing, driving me half-crazy with anticipation. 
nervous I am. She got me caught up in her aura like, like, like this. <laughs> Yo, who is this lady? Latte sipping. Coffee shop chilling. <laughs> I'm yet to know her name, but somehow I seem to be catching feelings. I wonder, I ponder, does she come here often? Or will she be interested in me and her doing some get to know you talking? And hope that maybe we can become good friends and do some park walking. <laughs> Hold up. I find that I'm jealous of the way that she holds that pen. I kind of wish that it was me that she was holding. I kind of wish that I was that napkin that she was folding, touching. It's like behind our coffee cups, man, we're playing a sexy game of seduction, hiding, peeking. She's got my attention, no diversions, no interruptions, just just gazing, lusting, hiding, seeking. Every time she sits on her cup, it, it hides that devilish grin like she wants to sing. Like she's flirting, inviting me to come on over, come on in. I wish it was me that she was sipping. Should I say I wish it was me that she was kissing? See, this be beautiful beginning. The beginning be the alpha. As it is written, it be the first chapter. They call it life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning. Never thinking about an ending. Just, just thinking about building. Creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting that you don't stand alone. Just... Just hoping, nose wide open, walking on faith. Just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of everyday life. life. I see you, do you see me? Kissing on a white sandy beach, making love surrounded by palm trees. I worship you because you made me believe that, that God, that God said that you and I, Ah, you and I were meant to be, you are so heavenly. I can't help but believe that, that God sent you to me because you put me at peace and, and to him I am forever grateful. I know sometimes, baby, that I can be a handful and for that, I apologize. Melt me with those maple brown eyes. But you handle me like, like the way trees slow in an autumn breeze, so gentle, so smooth. I, I can't help but be in love with you because you make it so easy. Sleep with me. Dream with me to a far off place where, where no one can find us, where it's just us. Caught up in the rush of our lust as we make love from dawn to dust. As I look down and see you beneath me, looking up at me, smiling, sometimes staring me down, making love to me with your eyes as you hold on tight for the ride. I, I love you. I love, I love the feel of your thigh. Where your flesh feels against my flesh, the way your chest feels against my chest, the way we pause, we take deep breaths, deep, deep, deep breaths. Just the thought of knowing that you are mine makes me lose all track of time. So we end up making love for hours just, just because there's nothing else to do. It's just you on top of me and me on top of you. With the sweetest smell of romance in the room, I, I take a whiff to consume the perfume because I want to smell of you with, with me all day. Just one whiff, just one sniff takes my breath away. Got me finding, got me finding, got me fiending, got me fiending, got me fiending to see you on the next day. The exact same way. Me looking down at you and you staring up at me. 
can't think of a better position for us to be, so just love me. And if you feel it in your heart, girl, you'll just marry me. With the thought of knowing that this is what God always wanted us to be. You see, it's beautiful in the beginning. The beginning is the alpha. The beginning be the alpha as it is written. It, it be the first chapter they call life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning. And we're thinking about an ending, just, just thinking about building. Creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting. Hoping that you don't stand alone, man. Just, just hoping. Nose wide open. Walking on faith. Just trying to keep pace. Trying not to lose the race of everyday life. Life. This, this be my Monday morning blue. I find myself caught up in the rapture, just longing, longing for her, missing her, her heavenly touch, oh so very much. Like I didn't just see her on Sunday, yet I find myself daydreaming about her. I find myself daydreaming about her all day, all day on Monday, daydreaming about all the love making we did over the weekend to no end. It just got me longing. Daydreaming about her once again as I long for her kiss. I look at my t-shirt that she had online across my bed and I can't help but reminisce. I pick it up and pull it close to me. Close my eyes, take a deep breath and I can smell her scent. Reminding me once again of the time that we spent just, just love making. The smell is something out of a, a bath and body works and the sweet smelling aroma is enough to drop me to my knees as I shake my head like, like I'm about to repent. It's just the smell of moonlight path reminding me of our sexy, sexy hour-long bubble bath or was it the smell of a midnight pomegranate? You see, it's been less than 24 hours, y'all, since she's been gone and, and already, man, already I can't stand it. I'm just longing, longing for her. I'm fine. I'm fiending. I'm fine. I'm fiending for her love like an addict addicted to a drug. She, she got, she got me on that crack, y'all. Got to have it like that Spike Lee joint. Y'all, I need it. You see, I, I need it, y'all. I, I need it in the worst way. Like a fiend that, that can't stay clean. Look, look at me, y'all. She, she got me shaking. She got me shaking just thinking about the crazy love making. I'm going through withdrawal from the lack of it all. From the lack of her kiss. From the lack of her touch. From the lack of her love that I miss oh so much. And she just left this homeboy alone. Like, like yesterday. You see, this be my Monday morning blues. I'm gonna be this way until the weekend rolls back around. Just fine. Just fiending. Just fiending, y'all. I'm gonna be this way until her, until I hear the sound of her walking through my door. I'm gonna be this way until Friday. Just fine. Just, just fiending. I do this dance all over again. We're gonna do this romance again. All freaking weekend. <laughs> See, it's beautiful in the beginning. The beginning be the alpha as it is written. It, it be the first chapter they call life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning. Never thinking about an ending. Just thinking about building. Creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting. Hoping that you stand alone. Just hoping. Nose wide open. Walking on faith. Just Trying to keep the pace, trying not to lose the race of everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> See Proverbs 18:22 states that he that finds a wife, 
Allah finds a good thing and obtains favor. Obtains favor in the Lord. And I guess that means that, that I have found favor, much favor, much favor, y'all, because I have surely found me a good thing. I stand here today and I, I say to you that I, <laughs> that I, Eddie L. Oliver, oh man, I have found a wife. Someone I can trust, someone I can love, someone that loves and believes in me just as I love and believe in her, someone that I vow to cherish, someone that I, I vow to protect with my very last breath until death, until death. Until death, until death, y'all, until death do us apart. You see, she, ah, uh, she and only she with, with all her beauty and her brains and her amazing smile. Man, she, ah, uh, yes, she, she was the one who was good enough to capture my heart when I wasn't even looking for love. When I wasn't even looking for, for my heart to be captured when I... But I didn't even know, y'all, that, that love existed when I didn't even know that love was looking for me, man. She, she captured my heart, and I say to you that somehow, some way, somewhere, y'all, <laughs> are we found each other. Through the mist and the fog, through, through the tall buildings and towering trees, y'all, somehow, uh, some way, man, we, we, we found each other. Like two ships lost in the night. Like, like two people lost in the wilderness, like, like two people stranded at sea, you see, we, oh man, we found each other. Like in John 9, 25, man, all I know is, once I was blind, but now I see. Now I can see what love truly is. Now I can see what, what love must, must look like, and it's a beautiful thing, y'all. Because now my eyes are wide open. Now I know. Now I know that, that he who finds a wife, Surely, surely, surely find a good thing. I'm here to say, y'all, that I have surely found me a good thing. <laughs> you see, it's it's beautiful in the beginning. Yo, beginning be the alpha, as it is written. It be the first chapter they call life. Beauty as it is in the beginning. Never thinking about it ending, just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting, hoping that you don't stand alone, just hoping, nose wide open, walking on faith, just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of every day, of every day, of every day life. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
striking a match. Holds the promise of many If I have chosen to pour gasoline on myself, on others, on things, then the promises of destruction that will have no meaning. For no two people shifting me where the ash shall agree and why I struck the flame. Houses will be left at them. People will be chosen to blame and if anything of me is part of me I will be examined and not believe for the nature of destruction is to destroy all meaning Striking a match holds the promise of many things. If that match sparks a flame that flares to a candle, then the smallest part of life is entrapped. With flickering boundary, it's border. Worn up with the ways of night and change In that small circle of light, vision lacks clarity, and life has the substance of time. Two people shall agree. For the nature of flames and fire is to disappear. Striking a match holds the promise of many things. If that match falls on wood pile just so, then flame feeds fire. Light cannot help but be cast. Reveal what has been and what is yet to come. Yet fires by nature consume themselves, or what is foolish enough to forget. And no two people will survive. Coolness of night when the fire dies, or the hunger of a fire grow wild. For the nature of being consumed is to stay 
No one person can survive in darkness, cold For each and all are beyond their control. In striking the match, there is a promise. striking a match. I am still talking to Ted real quick. Um, I was asked to read one more, but I cannot read and type to tech at the same time, so I will pay, pay you a track. And what I'm going to play for you is one that I wrote after a summer of going to every single Shakespeare play because I absolutely love Shakespeare and one summer I mean went down to Ashland in Oregon to the Shakespeare Festival went to high school um, any performance of any Shakespeare play going on that summer I went to and so I think that you can really tell it in this piece um, it's kind of a whimsical piece and you know I always say when you're writing a, and especially you start performing a poem will find its own voice and this one definitely has its own unique voice when I performed it. You'll understand when you hear it. Um, but I'm going to, I'll play this for you. Thank you for asking too. Um, and then um, I should know what's going on with tech with all of this. So this one is called Lake at the River's End. And here you go. The Lake at the River's End, a fable of sorts. He sees her there, kneeling beside the lake at the river's end. Tears of sadness 
do ripples send? She is just a dream he is haunted by, bound to the sound she cries. Her tears pound out his heartbeat. When they stop, tis when they meet. A moment or a lifetime too late, fear made him hesitate deeply now to feel the grief beyond measure no relief for the empty arms of his soul only he hears the twin harps echo transcending him to stand beside her to look but never touch her because he loved her too much or not enough could this be the truth told as such her tears slow in motion fall still two souls he there call in the ripples they stand face to face what is lost love is still to embrace the image she sees beside her that dreams deliver from her his love is all she could have ever dared now it will not free her from his presence there her sorrow never to release him existing together only in the reflection of a moment she saw so clearly our oh, hearts do pay so dearly when one never sees what the other sees so clear so well a lover's hell to be so close that closer no longer exists and still not know the taste of the other's lips to hunger the flesh to plead the soul to weep in the need seeing everything on the surface of the lake make no mistake because there's been one too many here skipping stones distorting what should be seen so clear that while two fools stand a world apart two souls have joined and the world forgot forever locked inside each other and what existed before is limited to the limitless of the other barring nothing that their dreams did lack the pen's been tapped the ink is dry and two lovers trapped in the sky come back to the lake at the river's end one reflection one perfection one revelation it is without end love sorrow a duplicate tomorrow cursed to love itself again and again a beginning a middle and a music box end a thousand times once more the music only to restart time and space apart from where she kneels still and yet again beside the lake at the river's end you know, I've always thought I need to redo that one because it was one of my first time one of my first pieces I ever recorded the music is so loud it's so distorted it needs to be redone one that I really like because it reminds me so much of all the Shakespeare I went to that year. To talk to the text lines are not coming back anytime soon and 
I think that I am going to play another track for you, and we're going to call it a night. I'm going to let you guys get on with your night, and I think listening to me talk for two hours is probably about enough. So I want to thank all of you guys for being here, especially without even the phone lines. Hanging out with the chat room is just absolutely awesome. You guys are dope. You are the shit. You guys are amazing. Not enough cool words to say about you. I cannot believe you guys hung out with me this long. Just to, just to hang. It's, it's incredible. I appreciate you guys. You have no idea. It's one of my biggest fears. Um, a lot of you don't know that, but I have this horrific fear of speaking in public. Worked in radio all my life. And even back then, you know, I, when it was time for the, you know, for me to do my on-air shift, I would just be terrified. And, yes, I'm sitting in a, a little studio and I'm all by myself, but I still know you all are out there. You know? And so it's just terrifying for me. So my biggest fear is that I'm going to fall into the show someday and there's going to be no one here and I'm going to have to talk. So you could have said this that much easier. You've just been great in the chat room, and I appreciate you all very much. The track I'm going to play to close the show with tonight is by Carlos, written in pain. And it's a piece of his that I absolutely love so much. It is called Lovesick, and it's awesome. And we will get this all put together, and we'll be back on the air next week. And I cannot wait to hear you guys read. And here's some of those poems that you wrote to the prompts this week. Don't forget your exercise or your your task of sending out that you do that. Don't forget to write your haiku poem every day and remember if you missed any of the prompts that I gave you you can come back and listen to the first 15 minutes of the show and grab those and write them down. It would be awesome. Look forward to talking to you guys next week. Here is Carlos with Lovesick and we'll see you guys later. Good night everybody. Love sick. Flee from me, oh love. Depart from the reach of high. Gather with you your empty vows and false promises, declarations of immortality. Move from me, oh. Love, why the mere mention of your wicked existence only aids in the decomposition of what you have left of my depleted body. Love, I want no parts of you. You, you are the cloak soul is used to attack the soulful. Love, do not even acknowledge your existence. Curses to your falsehood, your salted kisses and bitter lies. Oh, love, leaving me in a worse state than when I was found for now. I crave you, yes love, craving you without reason, 
you have robbed me of my very sanity. Love, you have rendered me unable to love myself. Since this be so, let me be filled with damnation or nothing at all. Let me be voided of even my own existence, for I am grown sick of love from hair to skin to the very marrow of my bones. Pain has me pent up. I can feel the walls closing in. Try not to ball up while looking for a pressure pin. Deep, dark, beyond measuring. Digging, trying to find what it is that I am treasuring. Love dealt me a hand. I could not hold it. I folded. I once had a heart of gold and someone stole it. Then they stole it. It equates to scattered screams and shattered dreams. Dreams that don't vision clearly screams. When no one hears me muted while mutated. Degraded, degraded, decimated while painfully educated. Till I am emotionally eradicated. The road to nowhere is endless. Booted by lost premise. See, my life's motivation was hijacked, kidnapped by a hater and a lover's mask. Trick me, treat me, beat me. Like a hyena when you eat me. Laughing at me while gnashing at me. Trust is protection, I have no weapons. Love is leverage, it aids deception. I must be a bullseye, they keep aiming disregard in my direction. My life is death row, where's my injection? Since the arms of despair is my only affection, I evade love without detection. I've grown sick from love's infection. Unshielded, no deflection. Pain has got me pent up while the walls are closing in. I'm trying not to ball up while looking for pressure pins. Love. Oh, sweet love, move from high, for I love you not. That was written in pain.